Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Dome podcast. This is the IPL edition. The plan for this podcast is to have two streams set up, one being the weekly IPL podcast, while the IPL is in duration, and the second being just your weekly Sports Dome podcasts. The weekly Sports Dome podcast will contain your discussion on a plethora of sports, whether that be football, football tactics, football narratives, player performances, a bit of NBA playoff stuff, um, potentially tennis, Formula One, especially cricket when international cricket begins. But during the sporting carnival that is the IPL, I think it is only appropriate to dedicate a weekly podcast to the IPL and break all things related to the IPL down. So let's get right into it. Uh, we'll be focusing on, I guess, week two of the IPL. It's more week one and a half to week two and a half. But um, that is the focus. Uh, we The podcast will kick off with the um, the Delhi Gujarat game at the Feroz Shakotla. Uh, there was Delhi's second game. It was also Gujarat second game. Uh, a lot of the discussion with, with Dilly was, can they adapt to the Ferro-Shakotla sort of pitch? But I don't think the pitch in this game was actually a typical Ferro-Shakotla pitch. Uh, it got lower and slower as the game progressed, which is which is normal for, 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 for Ferro-Shakotla pitches. But it was the new ball pace and bounce, which was quite surprising and frankly enticing for the paces. Uh, I think the best example was... Uh, um, was a ball from Muhammad Shami. I think it was in the first or the second over. Uh, it was very similar to the ball that he bowled to uh, David Warner in the, in the test match at the Farosha Kola, the second one, the one where Warner got... Um, I think he got... Did he get bowled by Shami? I think he got bowled... No, I think he got nicked behind by Shami. Sorry, I think he got nicked behind by Shami. Um, but it was very similar um, to that sort of ball where he just sort of kissed over the top of off stump Um and in this case, actually clipped the top of off without the bales falling off. Uh, it was just a perfect shami length with this uh, relentless uniform and straight seam position that he has. And you could sort of even hear the thud into Ridwan Sahar's gloves. That that was sort of a new brand of Farouk cricket. And I, I think it was a shame for Dilly Capitals that it was Mohammed Shami who was exploiting that. Uh, but yeah, with Delhi Capitals, there is there is a there is a recurring problem, and that is their inability to play pace bowling. There is their inability to play fast bowling with pace, bounce, swing, anything that challenges them at at a high velocity is tough for them. Prithvi Shaw is a prime example. The bouncer did for Prithvi Shaw once again at the Farosha Kotla. Um, and if there, if the Kotla pitch is going to be a similar one all season, then he needs to spend some masterclasses with Ricky Ponting, because there is no no person uh, who is better. To teach you how to play off the back sh- back foot, especially a back foot pull shot, than Ricky Ponting, uh, and I think Sunil Gavaskar, who, who sometimes has has comments which are interesting, interesting to say the least in in the commentary box. I think he was highly critical, um, critical of Prithvi Shaw's ability to play off the back foot. And in this case, I'd say rightly so. Um, with that dismissal at the Farooshakotla in, in the second match, not even accounting for his failure in the third match when he, when he came in as an impact player, his career average went below twenty five in the IPL. Those aren't numbers that are good enough to warrant an India selection, in my opinion, especially with the likes of Ruturaj Gaikwal, Shubman Gill, Yashaswi Jaiswal knocking the door down. Yeah, they are absolutely knocking that door down. And Prithvi Shaw, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Um, as I sort of discussed earlier, there is that. I think there is a chink in the armor, a major chink in the armor with the Delhi Capitals' top order, and that is, yeah, their inability to counter high pace bowling. Uh, in that game against the Gujarat Titans, Alzari Joseph accounted for Warner and Rousseau. Yes, Warner got off a sl- got out of a slow ball, um, but there have been plenty of examples in the third game, which we'll talk about earlier, that they can become liable to high pace. And if it's swinging, if there's if there's extra bounce, then their technical deficiencies are only going to be exposed to a higher extent. It's something they need to monitor, and I, I think at this stage it's not it's not it's not monitor. For my notes for this game, the Delhi Gujarat game, I had they need to monitor their weakness against pace bowling. Now they need to solve that weakness against pace bowling because I just unrolled the same thing. Trent bolt swing bowling broke through them. Uh, I think what was interesting to note was that Ricky Ponting in, in the dressing room after the devastating spell that Mark Wood um, made against them in the first game. This was sort of shown on their, on their YouTube channel where they have that Ponting speeches, like that three-minute video. Um, in that speech after the Lucknow game, he made the point that they didn't um, they didn't play Mark Wood smart enough, nor did they respect his bowling well enough to see him out. 
this is going to be an interesting point of discussion, especially later on when we get to that game, um, the, the game from last night, the Rajasthan Lucknow game. Um, should you be seeing out a bowler ever in T20 cricket? Um, is, is that a is that a way to play a bowler ever? I, I think the answer in the majority of cases is no. I, I don't think I don't think you can afford to see out a bowler. So I think even with Rashid Khan, you have to look to take some form of risk. Um, whether you minimize the risk is a different is a different scenario. And once again, completely dependent on situation. Um, but I, I think yeah, it may have been it may be a valid strategy for future games where they identify who that express quick is, and they create an explicit solution to minimize wickets to the pace up. So you might give him none for thirty two. But it might be better for Diddley than the expensive potentially trying to go for 3 for 40. Yes, it's going to be a controversial take this one. But I think when Diddley go 3 for 40, it puts it puts pressure on the people like um, David Warner, Akshar Patel, Lilith Yadav, Abhishek Pur, Basically, low order and David Warner usually stays in, right? I think it puts pressure on them. Um, and yeah, I, I guess the counter solution to this is just tell them no. You don't take pressure. Even if you're three for forty, you keep going. Which is yeah, I, I guess that is a utopian scenario. But player mindsets don't work like that. So maybe if if the coherence of their innings could improve by going none for thirty two against a Mark Wood, for example, then that may be a strategy because none for thirty two isn't necessarily. Um, letting the run rate slip away it's just sort of staying i guess staying with a minimum run rate um to to sort of clarify that further just just i guess food for thought i i'll be honest i haven't really myself come to a solution uh, I, I think the Dilly management in, the, in this Gujarat Titans game was uh, was to take a, a major, a major, major brunt of the blame. Uh, this, this loss, this this loss put them at zero and two, and then they lost to Rajasthan, and then went zero and three. And then, frankly, man, some of the decisions are strange. To play both Abhishek Parel and Safraz Khan together over the likes of someone proven like Manish Pandey is, is strange because it, I think it was quite clear that Safraz Khan was playing in the first game. Um, because he was a wicketkeeper. But then in the second game, to bring in another wicketkeeper after only one game is strange in itself because I don't think Safraz was that bad in the first game. And two, even if you are going to do so, which I guess is valid, right? Because you have some skepticism regarding a part-time wicketkeeper. I mean, Sunrise and Hyderabad re regretted it straight away with Anmol Preet Singh. Um, but yeah, if you are going to bring in a specialist wicketkeeper, to stick with Safraz over Manish Pandey is, is a bold call because Safraz is still a relatively unproven T20 entity, especially in the top order. Um, and, I mean, in hindsight, you, you can easily make the point, no, it's probably the right call because Manish Pandey made a golden duck in the next game that he, that he played. But I think that is an example of, 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 of muddled decision-making because I think if you're going to stick with Safraz, you have to stick with Safraz. Give him another game. Give him more. But in the next game, they brought in Manish Pandey straight away, and I think that was a bit of a panic call. They were like, okay, we're 0-2. We can't afford to take any more bold calls. Let's just go back to the basics. And then ultimately, when they went back to the basics, um, they played a vanilla brand of cricket, which sort of they were behind, uh, behind the eight ball at every ball with the Rajasthan game. And I think that the management is displaying a muddled form of thinking, which, which needs to be solved. Furthermore, to not bowl Akshay Patel for one over is beyond me. Mitchell Marsh barely bowls for Australia. He, he, is, he is as close to a batting all-rounder as there can be in recent years, right? I think with injury concerns and sort of Australia just having other fast bowling options and even Mitchell Marsh's success at a top-order position, that's what his focus has been. So, look, I, nevertheless, I'm not going to say that bowling Mitchell Marsh at all is, is, is a bad decision because if he is a viable bowling option, then on a pitch that displayed signs of extra pace, it is worth giving him a go. Fine. But Akshar Patel not getting one over at any stage of the innings is highly strange. This is probably one of your best bowlers. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Um, even in the first two games, I think the role of Aman Khan was quite perplexing. He batted eight he was tasked with hitting duties, um, and he didn't bowl. So, 
I'm not sure if they needed that specialist hitter because I don't think he showed too many signs of being a capable specialist hitter. And I, I, might be, I might be being harsh with them, and I, I will be the first to admit I have not seen much of Aman Khan, but I have seen a lot of someone like Yash Dhul. I, I, I followed his domestic career closely. I followed his under-19 World Cup career closely. Yeah, And I, I think they could honestly do with another top-order battle to provide some extra batting depth. Or they could even tr move Safraz to that low-order role like he was back in his days with RCB because he has these innovative funky shots. He, can, he has ways of scoring runs. And then... um. They might use Manish Pandey with him as well, or, or Yash Dhul, if they feel like they have more faith in him. Um, and this might even be something they try maybe um, maybe tomorrow, sorry, tonight against Mumbai Indians at the Ferocia Kotla, or um, potentially against um, Bangalore at the Chindaswami. I think that's a Saturday game. It's a day game uh, because Sarfaz is used to that situation. And there, there might be a bit of a... Um, there might be a bit of a, a point to prove that because I think they have to realize they can't they can't replace Rishabh Bunt. They have to. I mean, to, to quote from the famous movie Moneyball, um, one of the great films, one of the films that I, I enjoy. It provides great sort of sporting insight on 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 sports management, how important that is. But yeah, in that famous film, the the idea was sort of um, I guess shared that you have to look to replace a big player with numerous other players you can't replace them with one option you have to replace them with a few options and nullify his loss so i guess you can't replace him you just have to sort of ease the pain it's like putting a bandage to stop the bleeding right it's that sort of thing um and that's something that Delhi capitals might have to consider with how that rishabh punt hole is patched i guess the other strong point in this gujarat titans and um and Delhi Capital's game was size direction and he, he displayed it in the in the game against the the Kolkata Knight Riders as well. I think I think Gujarat Titans' depth is admirable, and I, I think the culture they are building with Ashish Nehru and Hardik Pandya is also admirable. And I hate to say this because I'll be honest, I've been I've been one of the one of the people vouching that this Gujarat team isn't that good, and I think if they start losing a few, they will be in trouble because they might be exposed. But that has never been close to happening because I think the culture, there is a confidence in the team that whoever it is can get the job done. So with the unfortunate injury to Kane Williamson, it gave a platform to the classy talent that is Sai Sudarshan. Um, and he had it, I think he had confidence and he was waiting for this immense opportunity because of the because of the mammoth domestic season where he amassed over I think it was six hundred. I'm just looking at the stat here. Yeah, it was over six hundred and ten runs in the Vijay Hazara Trophy in eight innings. Ravi Chandran Ashwin has given a high praise in previous years, and one can see why. Lofted front foot drive through the covers. Wait on the front foot for a classy flick, which simply just use the pace instead of snapping the wrists. A ramp of a free hit constant rotation of strike, a calm head to see the chase through. These are characteristics of a well-rounded batter. And at the court law, I think Sai Sudarshan saw a major breakthrough in his professional career with a match-winning performance in the lim limelight. Gujarat and he will hope it may long continue. And against Kolkata Knight Riders, he showed signs that it may long continue. Let's move on to Rajasthan versus Punjab Kings. The sort of... I guess the social media El Clasico, because the, the sort of the, the, the mainstream media uh, has denoted Chennai Super Kings and Mumbai Indians as the El Clasico. Probably rightly so, due to the, the plethora of titles between the two and how they are probably the more the, the two historically rich and well reputed clubs. But in recent times, yeah, they're, they're struggling. So so you can see the emergence of other El Clasicos, such as Rajasthan versus Punjab Kings. Punjab is such an interesting team because I think they have still retained despite a change of management a similar ideology to last year i think what is better though is that they have better personnel to execute this ideology um and i i think that's completely valid to argue uh, i mean the best 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 part to focus on is the batting power play the, the trend of devastating batting power plays continued as punjab knocked notched up around i think it was 63 in their own power play Rajasthan's lengths I felt were too short at times, especially from KM Asif who left who let Prab Simran just consistently swivel him behind square in front of square. So sort of to I guess visually paint that he can swivel um towards the fine leg region or sort of between fine leg and, 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 and square leg, or he can swivel between square leg and mid wicket. So sort of the two 
sides of the square leg umpire on his left and his right and that just shows that you're, you're too short and you're giving you're giving Prabhsimran Singh too many options to to sort of think about these different different shots behind and in front of square right although I think at a stage you have to credit Prabhsimran Singh his IPL career has been full of turmoil um Initially, uh, I think Aries Cricket, um, I'm sure he won't mind me calling him out. He, he, he writes well. I, I love following him on, on, on Twitter. Um, he put this in my mind straight away um, when Prabhupada played this knock. Um, that we have to think back to the 2020 season when Anil Kumble decided to promote Prabhupada Singh ahead of Glenn Maxwell. Ultimately, a decision probably cost him the game. Last season, he didn't have much of a role either. He was just sort of a sporadic villain, and he didn't really make any major impact. He had a few cameos, if anything, but it was nothing to sort of say, oh, Prabhupada Singh belongs at this level. However, in the Syed Mushtaq Ali Trophy, it showed that there is something that is about him that should be able to belong at this level. Because sort of my theory with domestic cricket is if you continue year after year to perform at domestic cricket, it shows that you have the skill level to perform at a higher level. You do. It's just about, do you have the mindset? Do you have, I guess, the work ethic? Which I'm not going to doubt about Prabhupada Singh because I don't know what the work ethic is. But do you have the mindset? Do you have the confidence? And I guess, do you have the role? I think the role is very important. And we'll sort of discuss that later with David Padikal and, and Riyan Barag. But yeah, I, th- I think the role is quite important. And um, I think what is helping him this season is the clarity in his role. Come out, take the game to the opposition and play your shots. There isn't too much of a worry about being dropped as there aren't many backups for Prabhupada Singh, especially with Johnny Bairstow's injury. So he just backs himself. He backs his spectacular short range, um, shot range. He backs his spectacular pickup shot. Um, and this is seen against the Rajasthan Royals. Um, the lofted cover drive of Trent Bolt showed the touch of class in his batting as he stepped towards the ball and hit through the line. The other shots to the offside highlight his utter brute power as he was back away, picked the length early and just smack it. And as discussed earlier, his leg side pull shots were sort of the icing to the, ca- icing to the cake as it demonstrated that there is an all-around game. You can't simply just nullify me by bowling, bowling to my pads and cramping me up because I have shots for that too. So I think ultimately that, that puts the question in the mind of the opposition is what is the best plan to prop Simran Singh and I I think it is resorting to vanilla boring cricket. You can't give him width, you can't be too straight, then you have to resort to a test match line. Um, and as he backs away and charges, you sort of just have to adjust that length and line accordingly. So uh, to follow him or to sort of back him away, depend on, on, on what you as the bowler back yourself to do. One more person I want to sort of focus on is um, Yuzvendra Chahel. Uh, I think Yuzvendra Chahel is going to be uh, is going to have a big season this year. Uh, I think there is just something about him when the going gets tough, or at least I think there was something about him um, when the going got, got tough. He, he he has the ability to take wickets and go through lineups. However, his exile from the Indian team and his recent record in international cricket suggests that there is a chink in the armor. And I think that is completely valid to argue. Since the Asia Cup, his economy is close to 9 in T20 international cricket, while his wicket-taking has also been stifled. Yesterday may have... Clar- I mean, not, not yesterday, sorry. I, I, I just took these notes yesterday. I think that game against uh, the Punjab Kings may have clarified why. There, there sort of seems to be a lack of... I guess consistent control with Yuzvendra Chahal's bowling. I mean, this is the player whose career was made bowling under the lights of the Chinnaswamy. One of the toughest places for a leg spinner. It was shown last night with Karan Sharma. He had to have good control there because the margin for error was quite small. However, against Punjab, I think he was too straight on many occasions. And, and I, I think with Yuzvendra Chahal, it's very interesting when he gets straight. straight. And I'll sort of break down why later. Um, because I, I sort of picked this point up um, in the Rajasthan versus um, Delhi Capitals game. But yeah, against Punjab, he was straight on too many occasions, which led to Dhawan and Jitesh Sharma sort of just being able to swivel um, on the leg side, sweep, and also connect down the ground. And... These are too many shot options with just one length of delivery. So then I think you have to vary the line of delivery then, right? And towards the end of his spell, I think he did find better success when he went wider. But that lack of control was, I think, the gaping issue. Because there was a lack of control. I'm, I'm sure he didn't want to bowl straight with the field that he had. As Dhawan could easily just switch at him over the offside. 
but he kept drifting too straight, and I think that is Yuzuna Chahel's current problem. There is a sort of a lack of control, which which makes it hard for me to sort of place full confidence in him. But nevertheless, I think he definitely is the arsenal and the weapons and the experience. I think before we move on from this game, there are still a few more things I want to focus on, especially with Punjab's death over batting. I guess before we focus on the death of a batting, it's important to sort of, I guess, denote a trend with with teams that that are winning quite a bit in the IPL. Uh, the trend is usually that they build towards their best. So what I mean by that is it's rare to find teams playing their best cricket in the first four games. Usually in the last four games, their cricket is probably relatively better than the first four games, regardless of results. Even let's say they go two and two, uh, two wins and two losses from games eleven to fourteen. But they went four wins and zero losses from games one to four. Usually, I think you'll still find that despite those two losses, the standard of cricket may genuinely be higher um, for that team if you compare it to their first four games. And I, I think Punjab are in, in a similar position. They are showing promising signs, but there are still gaping issues. And obviously, the Sunrisers game was a completely different thing. Um, but I think one of the one of the issues that Punjab in the first two games, while well, well, they played pretty well is, I think, the death batting. Um, they could only muster, in this game against the Rajasthan Royals, they could only muster 47 runs in the last five overs. That's going at less than 10 and over. They had eight wickets in hand. I don't think that's good enough. With with resources such as Sikandar, Raza, Sam Curran, Shah Rukh Khan, uh, Set Shikhar Dhawan, this is far too little of an acceleration. I, I think Punjab had to be getting in excess of 200 with ease. Ultimately, they finished with, what, 197 or something, right? Um, they had to be getting in excess of 200. Um, and I think that really would have put pressure on, on Rajasthan, especially Gwati. Um who knows, on another day, if, if Rajasthan had one of Jaiswal or, or, or Just Butler kick on, this total would have been nowhere near enough. The, and Rajasthan, it showed, Rajasthan got somehow close, despite a pretty badly executed first 15 overs of the innings. And to get close despite that, just shows that that, that, that total was still sort of within range a bit too much, uh, I, I feel like. Um... To, to identify a reason for this sort of lack of success in death batting, I, I think it's a bit hard to identify a reason um, this early on, other than just sort of lack of execution. Uh, but maybe perhaps there should be some sort of focus on, on their batting order. In this game against the Rajasthan Royals, uh, Sikandar Raza came out ahead of Shah Rukh Khan and Sam Curran, which isn't a bad call because Raza sort of does have a game that is built on going, um, going at the bowls from ball one. However, to sort of send Shah Rukh Khan ahead of Sam Curran, I found a strange call. Curran is a man. You have paid big bucks to do this exact thing. Come in at the back end and finish innings. Come in at the end and make an impact. Get new ball wickets. Finish up the innings with the ball. Shah Rukh promised, um, showed promise, I think, in, in the previous game against the Kolkata Knight Riders. But I think you have to send, send out your best players first and... I think they messed up there. Obviously, if we go into second innings, the, the, the spotlight of the second innings has to be Devdat Parikal. Uh, I think Rajasthan have a major concern in Devdat Parikal. The days where this tall left-hander was pulling, cutting, driving with ease, showing glimpses of Yavrad Singh seem long gone. Right now, the same left-hand opener is struggling on where to place his front foot and is trying to dig deep into his muscle memory on how to execute a lofted shot. To put it frankly, I, I don't think the role is, is helping him. Padikal needs the power play to get his strike rate up and get into rhythm to play freely in the middle. Currently, he's coming in where either the platform is too good for him to play himself in. So, for example, Rajasthan are none down for like 100 after 10 overs, which is, which is a common occurrence with Yashasvi Jaiswal and Joss Butler. So, he doesn't really have time to sell any. So, he just has to go from ball one. Or, with the field out, he's struggling to to find scoring options. And the reason Rajasthan have to... The reason Rajasthan play him in this role is, as Sanju Samson and Kumar Sangar have publicly said, they believe he's a great spin hitter. And especially with the left-hander, he gives him a he gives him good options to counter spin. Um justifiable but right now right now David Parikal is in a mental battle with sort of his own struggles with strike rate and I think that is sort of blocking off risk options such as using his feet 
and looking to take risks and finding sort of bolder scoring options to help him to tackle the spin. Because right now he's just sort of playing off the crease. And he's sort of preoccupied with, oh, let me just keep rotating. Let me let me keep not, not let me not bog myself down with strike rate. And at the same time he also wants to get runs, so he doesn't really take risks. And that's that's sort of the mental battle within the particle right now. It's it, it frankly costs Rajasan in this game. I, I think they should be three and if I'm being honest. I think Rajasthan also missed a trick with him not with with him not opening that game against the Punjab Kings because they had the chance to give him give him that opening a position um, due to Joss Butler's injury. I think it would have been a great chance to help Dendit Parikal play himself into form and then hope that sort of form translates for him at number four in the remaining games. Right now, yeah, as we've said, I think he's costing the t- uh, costing the team. I think a major reason for Sanju Samson's dismissal. Uh, against Punjab Kings had to be dead at Parikal. The, the rate was climbing near 12 and Samson's getting impatient with the control that Nathan Ellis had so he looked to heave one downtown but this was Ellis's sort of flatter trajectory length ball uh, the length that was perfect um, perfect sort of for sort of a flat flat shot which Ellis had a fear in position um, to counter and yeah that Fiora took the catch I think the simple solution had to be, and ultimately was, to move Rian Parag to his natural position at number four and give the particle a run on the sideline. Moving on, I think I think Ian Bishop um, is one of the finest crick commentators in world cricket, and yesterday he delivered once again. As Jarrell, Dhruv Jarrell, that is, stylishly thumped, or when I say yesterday, once again, I mean the game against Punjab Kings. Um, just the notes in front of me are, are written from the point of view of the night before. Uh, potentially, that is something I might consider a daily podcast. It all, it all de- depends on sort of the, the reception that this podcast gets. So, um, my contact details and sort of uh, everything will be in the description of the podcast. Please get in touch with me, give me some feedback. Um, share the podcast around any support will be much appreciated because yeah then it gives me the I guess it gives me the incentive to make these daily um, just focusing on game by game rather than sort of putting it into a week by week format where I focus on all the games in that manner but yeah as Dhruv Jarrell stylishly thumped Ashdeep Singh over cover uh, Ian Bishop bellowed the impact player is making an impact I just feel like it was such a fitting call because since the impact player rule has taken over, this was the first star impact player performance. Dhruv Jarrell's range of shots took everyone by surprise. To be able to hit straight, lofted on the offside, ramp, and also flick showed a full 360 degree range of shots which are the hallmark of a successful finisher. The satisfying part was the elegance of his shots. It seems like the acceleration of a batter who has 50 runs to his belt already. They weren't specialist hitter shots. They were shots of a classy batter. It wasn't like he came out and and played like a specialist hitter, ramping, um, thumping with brute power and force. They They were just classy cricketing shots and it shows me that there may be a future here with Dhruv Jarrell, even in the top order. Um, but ultimately, yeah, Sam Curran held his nerve with a brilliant last over um, as he got back to his best by, by going back to his best plan, which was to execute the Yorkers. And Punjab went 2-0. All right, let's move to Lucknow, Hyderabad. Obviously, RCB KKR also happened. I unfortunately didn't get time um, to watch this game or, or, or cover this game. Uh, but from the highlights that I watched... RCB lost the plot. I think RCB lost the plot last night too, and I think that's two games where they've they've just lost the plot. And um, I will discuss later why that's an issue, especially at the, at the Chinnaswamy. But this one was obviously at the Eden Gardens. I think Shardul Thakur just played it at freak knock, and RCB's bowlers don't have great confidence uh, in their death bowling skills, I believe. And I, I think um, even if they do, the, the skills are just rickety because with the Hersh- way Herschel Patel bowls, he can easily get it wrong. With the excitement and passion Siraj bowls with, he can easily get it wrong. So I, I think they don't have many reliable options at the death. I think Herschel Patel used to be a reliable option when he was getting wicket after wicket after wicket and he was unstoppable because that's the confidence of wickets, right? I think now he's he's low of wickets, he's out of the Indian team and he's been getting tonked. So that confidence is low. 
With the batting, yeah, it's an, it's an obvious gaping hole. RCB struggling in spin bowling. Virat Kohli and Francois Duplessis uh, don't have great spin hitting range. Um, in in this game, that doesn't even matter. They just got out out outspun, um, especially Kohli and Duplessis because they just didn't pick the ball. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Kohli did pick it. He just sort of played around it. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think most teams are going to play three spinners against RCB, and I can definitely see RCB struggling at Lucknow. Um, at Ekana City, I, I, I can probably also see them struggling at the Ferocia Kotla. Um, those two grounds I can definitely see them struggling with. Uh, and they need to figure out a way to counter it. I think Glenn Maxwell is, is the obvious obvious answer to that. Um, with with Lucknow and SRH, I think yeah, the, the pitch has to come under the scan. I, I think SRH are once again just poorly executing the skills with the squad. Um, in which they should be executing their skills with. I, I think there is no way that Sunrisers Hyderabad should not should not be dominating some games because I think that middle order that they have, Harry Brook, Aiden Markham, Rahul Tripathi, well, Harry Brook's in the top order now. But yeah, even Henrik Klassen, you put him there. I think there is no way that middle order should not be dominating games. And that bowling lineup is a pretty reliable bowling lineup, in my opinion. Yes, I don't think Bhuvneshwar Kumar has the spark that he has. But nevertheless, I don't think Bhuvneshwar Kumar is as bad as other bowlers that are there in the IPL, especially out of Indian options. I think he is quite a reliable bowler. Um... Umran Malik has that X factor. I think Natrajan is slowly getting to his best, and I think he still possesses great, awesome, great weapons in the death bowling. I think Mayank Markande, who they include in the next game, is a great bowler. But even if they don't play Mayank Markande and play Adil Rashid, that is an X factor bowler right there. Adil Rashid, Marco Janssen, I think he is a great bowler, especially the new ball. He he provides a lot of, of a lot of potency. So SRG definitely have the weapons uh, to do well in this IPL. But uh, this game against Lucknow, I think one yet yeah, the, the pitch has to be discussed. Uh, as I said earlier, I, I don't think this is a pitch that we can play T20 cricket on, or I don't think we can sustain the entertainment or the viability of this ground with a pitch like this. Um, I, I think it's I think it's inaccurate to say that pitches like this shouldn't exist in the game. Because, um, actually, no, no, I, I, no, never mind. I, I changed my point. I don't think I don't think it is inaccurate to say that pitches like this shouldn't exist in the game because pitches like the exact one that the Lucknow SRH game was played on shouldn't exist in this game. I, I, I stand by that, but I don't think. Um, I think Turner's uh, tracks that are conducive to spin or a bit slower definitely still have a role to play in the game. I, I remember watching Shreyas Ayer bat at the Ferocia Kotla. It was one of the satisfying things to do because he had such a great game plan for a pitch that was difficult to bat on. And I think it's important to still test the fundamental skills of batters and bowlers in, in T20 cricket um, by providing pitches that do so. But pitches that make it hard or just nullify one aspect of the game, which is batting in this case, are a no-go, and I think this pitch did that, yeah, I think it made batting very, very, very difficult, um, do I think SRH made it a bit more difficult than it is, yes, 100%, um, I, I think they played some very dumb shots, um, I, I think they took very dumb risk options, and, and Harry Brook being one, I don't know why he was charging that ball, Mayanka Garwal, I'm not sure what sort of shot he was trying to play, right, um, so yeah, I think SRH definitely added to their problems, and I think KL Rahul showed how, how you can bat. But even when KL Rahul showed how you can bat, it wasn't a particularly fluent KL Rahul innings. Shreyas Ayer at the Kotla showed fluency, and I, I think if you're unable to show fluency, when I say fluency, I don't mean from ball one, even Shreyas Ayer at the Kotla took a few balls to settle in, but once he settled in, he showed great fluency. I think you need to create pitches which make the batters graft to find that fluency. But I think this this sort of pitch at Ekanda City, uh, there was sort of an in inability to find any fluency just because of the pitch. Um, and I think that's a no, that's a no go in my opinion. Let's move to Rajasthan Royals versus Delhi Capitals. I think here the the focus has to be on Yashasvi Jaiswal. It's just amazing. I think this is sort of a piece that I wrote earlier. And I'm sort of reading a snippet from a, from a piece that I wrote earlier. If you still don't want to follow where, where I write my pieces um, on cricket and IPL, they'll be on Medium. Once again, it will be in the description. You can also find it um, linked within my, my social media handles. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to sort of read a snippet from my from a piece that I wrote, wrote on Medium uh, about Yasha Sweet as well. It was written um, in the aftermath of the, the Rajasthan Royals and Delhi Capitals games. I, I think it's the best way to make the point that I want to make here. 
Jaswal plays with the simple motto that is often lost amongst the finite tactics, matchups, and rules of the modern game. If it's a loose ball, I will punish it. It is not a complicated batting strategy, but it is a clear one. It is a strategy that showcases utmost confidence in the fundamentals of his batting. Jaiswal believes his footwork, head position, and arm extension will be sufficient in allowing him to execute the aggressive shot option he wants to off loose deliveries. A motto so simple can only be achieved after hours and hours of hard work, and Jaiswal has certainly gone through demanding regimes and still, according to Chris Morris, hits the most balls in practice out of any bowler. In Jaiswal, there seems to be a studious attitude, a certain passion as he thoughtfully answers questions to the press after a physically demanding match. An attitude that led him to a journey of introspection in understanding the comforts, strengths, and weaknesses of his game, ultimately leading to a simplistically declarative conclusion. However, to say such things is easy. There must be the courage to execute and live by these principles. That's sort of the part that I'm going to read out. The, the rest I'm going to sort of just talk through. Um, the last point that I made, the, the, the point being that you need to have the courage to execute the, the, that motto that you have to, to punish a loose ball, right? Jaiswal's first three balls showed that. Yeah, um, half tracker, no real potency, uh, pretty much a futile length from Khalil Ahmed. Jaiswal rocks back, pulls it with, with great intent. I'm going to hit this with four or six. Yeah, many batters of that first ball would have been like, oh, let me just see it through. Let me just nudge it into a gap, get it get off the mark. Jaiswal's like, no, man, it's a bad ball. I'm going to hit it. Right, second ball, um, a bit too full, a bit too wide. Jaiswal gets on the front foot. The third ball, probably not even that ball, bad ball of ball, straight at length. But Jaiswal knew that to to Jaiswal that ball was a bad ball, and I'm referring to the one that Jaiswal sort of thumped down the ground um, by just opening up. It wasn't that bad of a ball. It was straight. It was at a good length. But as I said, Jaiswal to him that's a bad ball because it's too predictable. He's saying that okay, you bowled short, I put you. You bowled wider. I've driven you, so you're obviously going to go straighter and most likely still stay at a length, right? He's predicted this. So to him, it's become a loose ball now, and he smacked it away. Um, and I think it just highlights how well he's adapted to, to the needs of this format. Um, and it's it sort of highlighted in, in his power play batting. In, in this year's power, in this year's um, IPL power play, Jaiswal has stats of 82 runs in 42 balls with a strike rate of 195. That is... That is quite quite insane, I think. It's great batting. Moving on, Joss Butler was dropped on, um, dropped early on once again. Um, uh, to be fair to Anrik Nokia, uh, I think it was a great effort, and he was unlucky to not hang on. But it actually panned my mind to the Rajasthan-Dilly clash from last year. Butler was dropped on 50-odd. He ended up finishing with, I think, 110-ish. Um... And this was also the famous game with the the, the, the Praveen Armbray incident, uh, quite quite a quite a pivotal game, one could say, in, in the Delhi Capitals history. I don't think Rajasthan's middle order is still foolproof. In this game against the Delhi Capitals, they um, they brought in um, Dhruv Jarrell as, as a permanent option, and they put in Rian Parag at four, and Pritikal was dropped. Um, however, from overs nine. To 15.4, there was still only one boundary for Rajasthan. I, I think there are a few reasons here. Uh, one was Mukesh Kumar. I, th I thought he was highly impressive. Uh, the salient feature, feature of Mukesh Kumar's bowling is sort of, his, I think, just his confidence in his skills. Despite seeing Joe Swal's ease at hitting on the up, he started off with test match lines. But unlike Khalil, he backed himself that I'm going to get the length perfect. I'm going to get the line perfect. But I'm also not going to make it predictable because I have other skills. I can vary my length. I can vary my pace. And uh, ultimately, he got Jaiswal. And I, I think uh, he was one of the reasons that Rajasthan started to slow down. I think the other reason was was the spinners. I think I think Kuldeep Yadav and Akshay Patel, they got their lengths perfect. I think Samson's dismissal was a great example of that. Um, Samson thought he had the full length for his typical sort of pick-up heave um, over Longon or sort of between Longon and mid, and mid wicket. However, it's actually a bit wider and shorter. So that, that shorter length um, didn't actually give him that, that desired length for a pick-up shot. And even the line, I guess, it made him drag him a, drag it a bit. Um, and it led to a top edge, and he was out. Um, the spinners also varied the pace well, I thought. Aksha was quicker at 103 kilometers for a few balls, while Kulit was in the 80s. Rajasthan's intent, I, I think, also contributed to this to an extent. They were happy to keep 
nudging into gaps for a period of time, especially Rian Parag and Just Butler. I think Parag was more just not backing himself, and I think that's an issue. Butler, I was a bit surprised to see him slow down like that. I'm, I'm not sure what the reason was. Um, but yeah, it allowed Delhi to sort of settle into the game. Ultimately, uh, Rajasthan still got themselves a great score, and that's because Delhi lost the plot in the death bowling. Uh, it was just bad execution. They would miss their spots a few times each over, and Hetmeyer is one of the world's best finishers. His, his consistency is insane. I think ever since he's played this role for Rajasthan, he averages over 50 with a striker over 190, something like that. I, I can't remember the exact stat, but that is insane level consistency for what his role is. And it just means you can't miss your spot, and they did. And Hetmeyer made them pay 70 runs in the last five overs. That, that is that probably cost him the game right there. Obviously, the bowling, um, the batting was a major factor as well. But yeah, you can't you can't concede that many. Yeah, going to the batting, Prithvi Shaw and Delhi still cannot pay pace, play pace. And this time it was the swing bowling, the, sort of the, the fast swing bowling that which exploited that. Um, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Trent Bolt, but. <sighs> Something needs to be done with Prithvi Shaw's technique there, man. It's starting to get frustrating as an Indian cricket lover. We need this guy to succeed because he has immense immense potential, but it's just not happening for him. Um, but yeah, a lot of credit has to be given to Trent Bolt. He has 19 wickets in the first over since two, IPO 2020. Um, almost quadruple to the next closest bowler, which is Mukesh Chaudhary with five wickets. That is, that is great level of sort of... Um, specialist skill because I, I know we talk about specialist skills in t20s a lot finisher um great fielder um four economical overs wicket taker um power play hitter um spin hitter right these are all specialist skills i think Trent, Trent bolt clearly has a specialist skill because there is no one in the ipl that can do first over or i guess power play bowling as good as him and rajasthan Royals have the specialist skill he is great I think another thing I sort of alluded to earlier when I was talking about Shikhar Dhawan versus Yuzvendra Chahal, um, reverse sweeping against Yuzvendra Chahal is seeming to happen quite often. As I said, Dhawan last game, Lalit Yadav, I think on two or three occasions in, in, in the Delhi Capitals and Rajasthan Royals game. And I, I think the reason, I sort of considered this for a long period of time, like why? Why, why are they sweeping Yuzvendra Chahal so much? I think the reason that it may come down to is sort of his length and his pace. Obviously, I guess you say, but to sort of break that down further, if he is too flat and quick, they can line that reverse sweep or that switch it over the infield on the offside because they have um, they have enough pace to sort of just guide it over, over the top, right? Or if he is too short, um, they can just simply lift it over the fielders because they can they can just gain garner that elevation. And Chahal prefers to sort of have this point and third man up when he bowls, just for the ones that pop when he tosses it up and there's sort of a top edge and they loop up on the offside. But having these fielders up also creates a run scoring method against him. So that once again just comes down to control. Can Chahal land that control for that length delivery that he wants every ball to ensure that it can actually pop up against him? Can he land that control? I think he can, but can he land it well enough to minimize certain scoring options? Potentially not. With Let's move on to the, the El Clasico, the, the mainstream media El Clasico, as I, as I referred to earlier. Mumbai Indians with Chennai Super Kings. Rohit and Ishan Kishan, I thought, started off very, very well in the, in the power play. There was, there was significantly better intent from them. They were willing to take risks and take on the bowlers to then create resulting bad balls after. Um, to sort of explain that, I'm, I'm, sure you, I'm sure the cricketing fans know what this refers to, but intent does two things. One, obviously, yeah, it has the potential to keep the scoring rate going because if you're showing intent, you're looking to score. And if you're executing the intent to the right extent, then you are scoring, right? But it also creates further opportunities to score in, this, in the sort of the subsequent balls because what you're doing when you're taking risks, you're putting pressure on the bowler. You're making them think, okay, that ball outside off isn't working anymore. Let me go down to leg side now. Yeah, you're making them change their plan. And if you're able to sort of predict that change of plan, obviously then you can score. But nevertheless, making them change a plan puts pressure on them to execute something that wasn't plan A. And that requires skill to execute. Not every bowler can execute that, right? So then you have the, the possibility to sort of create resulting bad balls after. 
after that initial sort of exercise of intent. And that's that's why intent is so important in the power play. And this is the way that Ishan Kishan needs to bat because his best knocks come when he's in this sort of devastating hitting mood. Bangladesh 200, some of his great T20 knocks, um, some of his great, uh, that, that knock against, I think, it was, I think it was RCB. Was it RCB? Um... I can't remember. I think it might have been RCB. It was the one in Dubai when he made like 90-odd. Um, I think the game went to a super over. Was it RCB? I think so. I think it was RCB super over. I think Virat Kohli hit the winning runs in the super over. Um, his best knocks come when he's in this hitting mood. And with the depth that Mumbai Indians possess with the batting, this is the way that Rohit Sharma and Sean Kishan should be batting. However, um, ironically, their batting depth isn't showing much um, because they had a great start. They had 60-odd runs in the power play, but then they self-detonated. I think they lost around four wickets of 15 runs, something like that. They completely self-detonated to Mitchell Satna and Ravindra Jadeja. Um, Rohit Sharma, I thought, I thought got a, quite a good ball from Tushar Deshpande. And I think his dismissal was, was separate from that self-detonation because um, Ishan Kishan and Suri Kumar Yadav did a bit. Suri Kumar Yadav... Yeah, this it just happens when it's not going your way. It happens. We saw it with Virat Kohli last year when when it wasn't going his way, he just kept finding ways to get out. And I think Surya Kumar Yadav found another way to get out. Um, uh, on 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 Saturday night was it Saturday night? Yeah, it was Saturday night. Just gloved one down leg to MS Tony. Um, then we had Ishan Kishan and um. Tilak Verma, yeah, we had Ishan Kishan and Tilak Verma at four, right? Verma was looking good. He was looking pristine as always. He just has such a such a clarity in, in his batting. Very similar to Yashasvi as well. Um, Ishan Kishan, yeah, just didn't get one, did he? He, he I, I think, once again, he probably picked the wrong wrong shot option there. And after he got out, they had, who did they have at five and, and, and six? They had, this is not five. Um, this is not Arshad Khan at five, or did they have Tim David at five? Let me Let me quickly have a look for you guys. Um, I think they might have promoted Ashid Khan to number five, right? Am I missing some or something here? Um, sorry, yeah, Cameron Green. My bad, my bad. Cameron Green was at three, Surya Kumar Yadav at four, Tilak Verma five. So yeah, um, Green and Sean Kishan were banding together after Rohit Sharma got out. And yeah, Cameron Green. I'm not going to say there's too many concerns that he looks out of depth in this league. I think this, once again, he just found a way to get out. I think with Cameron Green, um, it's more about should his position to maximize his ability, um, should he be in a different position in the batting order? And I, I think the answer is potentially yes. Um, I, I think there is great utility in opening with Cameron Green because I think he's a very, very good pace hitter in the power play. Sort of similar to Virat Kohli, but I guess with even more devastation, Virat Kohli is more of a, more of a class, and he, he just uses his option to a great extent. Um, I think I think Cameron Green is a great power play hitting option, and then when he comes into three, he usually comes at the back end of the power play, and there might be a spinner already in by this stage. I'm not saying Cameron Green is bad against spin. I think he showed enough signs that he's also a very good spin player. Um, in those T20s against India, uh, in I think September last year, before the T20 World Cup, he did fine against spin. Um, he showed at the test match level that he can also hit spin. Um, so the point being, I don't think he's out of depth against spin on, on tracks that are slow. I don't think 1KD is slow either. It, it had a bit of turn, but I don't think it's a slow track. So uh, not to say that Cameron Green is a waste in the middle order, but I think he has maximized at that opening slot. And I think it could open up an opportunity for Rohit Sherman to come at 3 or 4. He's done that in previous years. Um, back then, he people criticized that because they thought he was in such great form opening the batting that he had to come and open the batting, which was true, I believe. I, I, I existed with that with that point. I sort of existed in a line with that point of view back in the day. But right now, maybe there is something different needed with Rohit Sharma because he shows his intent in the power play. Sometimes he doesn't show the intent, like the first game, and he struggles big time. Um, the first game, and even Khalil Ahmed last year in that, in that do-or-die game for RCB, the Mumbai Delhi game. Um... And then, and then sometimes he does show that intent, as I said. But we don't see the volume of runs from Rohit Sharma. So maybe putting him in the middle order might be a, a way to sort of get a, a further volume of runs. You can come in, take on the spin, find, um, use the sort of um, spread apart field to constantly rotate the strike and potentially score more volume of runs as long as obviously his strike rate can't, cannot be sacrificed. And I think Cameron Green may be able to provide a higher strike rate than potentially Rohit Sharma could in that power play. I think the other p option with Cameron Green is just Matt Suryu coming out of three to look at four and then putting Green at five. Um, so he comes in at that back end when there's sort of pace at the back end. Um, 
and he sort of has a very clear role, just hit, hit from ball one. With three, he sort of has to build the innings, and maybe you're asking too much of him, but then again, you're paying him a lot of money, so maybe he should be able to deliver. Just some potential things that Mumbainians might be able to consider with Cameron Green, but I think the, the, the issue with Mumbainians is that, that the batting depth is the strength of the, the lineup, and it's not de- delivering, and the bowling is far too weak. And I, I think it was shown against Chennai Super Kings. Uh, despite J- um, Jason Berendorf troubling and sort of troubling Devon Conway and um, keeping Rutraj Gaikwad in check, I, I do think him and Ashad Khan, especially Ashad Khan, wasted the new ball. They were too inaccurate. They were down leg and too short. Even the ball that Jason Berendorf got the wicket of Devon Conway, I don't think it was a new ball wicket. I think it was more of hesitation in Devon Conway's mind leading to an inside edge, um, which went back onto stomps. The length was too short for even for that delivery. And yeah, and I think Roy Sharma also messed up a bit in the captaincy here. I think he was fostering too much leg side bowling with that leg side, predominantly leg side field. I think there were three or four on the leg side. That's heaps. That's too much. And they went down leg, and I think ultimately Ajinkya Rahane made them pay of Urshad Khan's over. Um, coming to Ajinkya Rahane, it was it was fresh, man. It, it was satisfying and fresh to see um, the way Ajinkya Rahane batted. There just seemed to be a certain conviction, a certain clarity in his batting. Anything in his zone, he would hit with pure elegance. Mumbai gave him a lot in his zone. There's no denying that. They gave him a lot of bad balls, but he punished them all. It was relentless. And I think that's due to how sort of precise his game plan was, how sort of precise his batting actions were. Bad ball, hit through the line, four, six, hit over the top, four, six. It was pristine touch from Ajinkya Rahane and ultimately led them to a victory. It was, it was fresh. Moving on to the game of the tournament so far potentially one of the most historic games in IPL history Gujarat Titans Kolkata Knight Riders at Ahmedabad Titans as I talked about earlier just this culture Sai Sudarshan once again delivered he has such a great composure about him there was a time when he was batting a bit slow I think it was around 20 of 16 20 of 18 then he hits a few sixes he's like all good I have the range and I think that's the importance. I think he has a range to hit these shots off spinners and even fast bowlers. And that comes off the back of such a stable technique he has. He shows that there is room for class players with conventional techniques in the T20 format. It's all about mindset and risk-taking. That, that's what T20 cricket is about. And Sai Sudarshan showed that. It was it was a great half-century. I thought Shuman Gill played pretty well as well. But I, I, I think Gujarat Titans were losing their way in the innings. And um, they were losing the way with, who was it at the crease? I think it was Vijay Shankar and, um, I think it was Vijay Shankar and Sai Sudarshan. Yeah, yeah, Sudarshan was tiring a bit, so he couldn't loft that much. And Vijay Shankar's start wasn't great. And it was just begging the question, why send Vijay Shankar ahead of David Miller, Rahul Tevatya, Rashid Khan? Like, what was the thinking behind this? And uh, to be honest, I still don't think it makes sense. But it worked. And that's the thing with Gujarat Titans, when, when you think they're out, it somehow works. And it worked again. Vijay Shankar, all of a sudden, he found a second wind, second wind more than a second wind. He just found a new, like, playing method in, in the same innings, in the midst of the same innings. And he was able to just hit through the line and the pace with such elegance. It, it, was, it was, they were all, they were roughly, most of them were straight battered shots down the ground, a, a few, a few cross bats, but it was just a great knock, and it was probably an all-time Vijay Shankar knock, and it saved Gujarat Titans. It got them to a score, 205, which made Kolkata Knight Riders think, oh, we messed this up. This should have been 180. I think Gujarat Titans definitely should have got 190 minimum. With, with the platform that they had. Um, and the stage, it looked like they wouldn't get that with how slow Vijay Shankar and how, how much he was struggling. Ultimately, they got way more than that. So it just shows that KKR let it slip. And then I thought, with the inconsistency and the fragility of that KKR top order, I'm not sure they can get this. They needed someone to deliver. And Venkatesh Ayer delivered. He is back, man. That is a Venki Ayer that uh, 
people started to love. People saw as the Hardik Pandya replacement, the hands of Venkatesh Ayer. That is what makes him so unique as a player. Just the hands. And I think there's a certain arrogance about him. And I, I sort of saw a few interactions with Mohamed Shami and Venkatesh Ayer. I think Venkatesh Ayer sort of lofted him over cover. That sort of typical Venkatesh Ayer lean back, throw your hands, um, lofted punch sort of shot. He lofted him over cover and Shami smiled at him like... What is that shot? That ball is so wide outside off. You have no footwork movement to ball. You lean back. Your head position is is strange. Like it's not textbook. I'm not gonna say it's it's detracting from the shot because I don't think it's falling over. I still think he's like head over the ball. It's just sort of leaning back a bit. But yeah, the head position is a textbook. There's no foot movement. Yeah, he just throws his hands and sort of maneuvers his hands to get it over cover and shot. He's like, how? Why? Why do you play like this? And Venkatesh just smiled back saying. I respect you, Shami, but this is just the way I play. And he continued to play that way. Just using the pace and just throwing the hands. That's what it was. And it just shows how good his hand-eye coordination, how talented his he is with his hands. It is amazing the shots that he played, the pickup shots that he played. And he, when you thought he would stop, he didn't. Rashid Khan. He took down Rashid Khan. He took down Yash Dayal. Even Alzari Joseph, he showed signs. In the power play, he showed signs. It was prime Venkatesh Ayer, and it was so good to watch. But when he got out, KKR faltered. They faltered because of the X Factor, the captain, the world's best T20 bowler, Rashid Khan. Even on his off day, he delivered. It's amazing. This man, you cannot keep him out of the game. And you didn't hear Hattrick. Rashid Khan with a hat-trick and KKR were buried. 48 of 3 overs. Thir 29 of the last over with Rinku Singh and Umesh Yadav. More importantly, Umesh Yadav on strike. So the smart option from Umesh Yadav would be to get a single and get Rinku Singh on strike. But that would basically waste a ball. And it's very hard to waste a ball when you're needing 29 of 6 of them. Right? Nevertheless, Umesh Yadav got that single. 28 of 5. What followed was probably going to be never seen in a cricket man cricket match again. If it's to be ever seen again, it will be not very frequently, so we'll be having a similar sort of historic conversation if it happens again. Twenty-eight of five, Rinku Singh, six full toss. Six full toss. Six full toss. Rashid Khan and David Miller. Um and a and a few others. Huddle with Yashdayal. All of a sudden there's ten of two needed. Yashdayal then goes shorter. Slower. Rinka Singh down the ground, 6-4-1. The first three or four sixes were sort of like Rinka Singh had nothing to lose, so he was just throwing his bat at it, right? And luckily for him, the balls were bad enough so that throwing his bat at it, um, keeping a stable head position, letting his arms extend with fast bat speed to the ball would be enough to get him six because they were just horribly bad balls, right? Even the, 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 the last two balls I don't think were the best balls, but it required a bit more from Rinka Singh, a bit more bat speed, a bit more sort of stability in his core. Um, the shorter balls, that is. But there was also a high level of pressure. Because 10 of 2 all of a sudden is gettable. All the pressure is on Yash Dayal. But Rinku Singh is sort of like, oh, I can get this now. And that, and when, when, you can, when, you, when you sort of get into that stiffness, oh, I can get this. I need to hit two sixes now. You, you try to overhit the ball. But he just stayed so calm. Especially in that last ball. Because it was the most sort of different ball compared to the rest. It was shorter. It was wider. It was drastically slower. And you could see how calm and composed and focused Rinku Singh was in the way he sort of just adjusted his body to sort of cover that wide outside off line and still look to hit it sort of down the ground in sort of a straight down the ground slash leg side trajectory. He got to the got to the line of the ball. Um, he got on top of the length with a stable core and he just bat speeded it through and it was dead straight and he knew straight away as he hit it. He knew straight away as he hit it that he had pulled off history. It was amazing. It, it, it was great. And it was a, such a great way to cap off week two of, of this great week of IPL. I think the, the tournament is really reaching... Um, a great point now. Teams are sort of setting, settling in. Um... Teams are uh, teams are showing different tactics, and and I think we have a lot to look forward to um, for week three. Obviously, RCB Lucknow happened, um, but.
because this podcast is sort of recorded straight after that match i haven't had time to do a detailed dive through of that but um from that game just to talk about the the major points i think i'll see blow it with the ball like, i think they also blow it in the middle overs with virat Kohli and francois duplessis i think they slowed down too much after a power play there wasn't enough intent especially with faf faf cannot be 33 of 30 balls at the chinda swami i know he picked it up well he batted brilliantly 46 of 16 something like that um it was great um, even Virat Kohli, I thought, played stupendously in the power play. The, the, his shots in the power play, I think, amongst the best in the IPL, uh, the, the, his playoff pace bowling is ridiculous. But, yeah, they slowed down the middle overs and potentially left 10 or 15 runs out there. Nevertheless, I think 210 is a very good score, even at the Chinnaswamy. But RCB lose control of games with their bowling. And at this stadium, that is even more likely because you can easily lose control of the Chinnaswamy. Short boundaries, and once the batters hit a few, they know they can hit a few more. All the pressures on the bowler. Happened with Karan Sharma yesterday. Happened with Hersha Patel. Even the Wade Parnell to an extent. Shabazz Ahmed. They need more of a concrete strategy, RCB. How are they going to nullify teams fully? The power play is obviously an easy option for them with Siraj, but they need to find out a way to do it in the middle overs. And even I cannot think of a way with the bowling options that they have. So it's going to be about holding pressure, grafting, and creating plans. It's going to be tough for RCB, especially with three in a row at the Chinnaswamy. If they lose another one, it could completely get away from them. It's a shame because I think they have a squad. There's just a few execution issues in the middle of the games, which is, which is costing them. Nevertheless... Um, if you did enjoy this first this first edition of the IPL podcast on, on, on here on Sports Dome podcast with me, Yamdanavati, I would love some feedback, love listens, love sharing this podcast around, feedbacks on my social media handles, my email even, all of that will be in the description. If you like daily daily editions of these where I focus on game by game, let me know. As of now, the plan is to do weekly, so I can also focus on the other, the main Sports Dome podcast as well. Nevertheless, I'm, I'm willing to do daily uh, if, if the support is there for it because that's just motivation and gives me incentive. I hope you enjoyed. See you next week. Enjoy the carnival. That is the IPL.